In this episode of Locked On Capitals, I am joined by Luke James of the Hockey Writers, and we talk about the hockey draft or the NHL draft that's coming up. What players should the Washington Capitals target? And we'll get his thoughts on what players the Capitals need to pick up before the start of next season. We'll talk about all of that and more next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check that out. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. In this edition, we are joined by Luke James, who is primarily with the Hockey Writers. Uh, Luke James, why don't you uh, give us a little update? Is it primarily just the Hockey Writers that you work for, or do you, you're kind of more of a freelance writer? Is that right? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm a freelance writer from the UK. I cover the Capitals for the Hockey Writers. I cover kind of ice hockey here in the UK for, for a website called British Ice Hockey, and I do lots of soccer pieces for various different websites. So, yeah, that's... That's the kind of work that, I, that I'm doing at the minute. All right. Well, Luke, thank you so much for joining us on this edition. Uh, I was reading your article uh, in the Hockey Writers and uh, just the, the draft. That is one of the things that the Capitals really need to target and hone in on is getting some really great draft picks. I know that the Capitals have kind of kicked the can down the road and they've traded away a lot of draft picks. Uh, that's part of the perils of being in win-now mode is that you want to get rid of draft picks for this win-now mode. But the Capitals are facing a rebuild, and I think that they need to make some prudent decisions when it comes to the draft. And uh, one of the ones, uh, players you were talking about is Yuri uh, Kulich, uh, left wing. What do you know about him? Uh, where do you see him fitting in with the Capitals organization? Yeah, so Kulich is a, is a really interesting player. He's not had an electric year in terms of offensive production kind of in, in, in his pre-draft year, but he's someone who's really talented. He can play center. He can play on the left wing. There's three things that I really like about this guy in particular. He's quick, has really good hockey IQ. He can play both ways. They're the things that stand out about him thus far. And I think the fact that he's been playing kind of men's hockey in in, in the Czech Republic is also kind of something that, that's always handy when you're looking at European prospects. Negative sides of him, consistency game to game and shift to shift. He can go missing at times. And he's not quite there physically yet. But again, worth bearing in mind when we're talking about European prospects, he is playing against guys who are in the in the 20s and 30s as opposed to what would be up against kind of his his peers if he were playing in north america so yeah i, I think he's a guy who's really interesting in terms of where you're looking at him slotting in in the draft and whether he's going to be attainable to the capital to capitals at 20th overall he's somewhere in the range between 18 and and the 30s so yeah he's someone who they should plausibly be able to pick up unless someone above them takes a turn to him so yeah he's someone who i do look like, like the look of a fair amount, I'd say. Yeah, and in this article, you were saying, considering the quality on offer 2022, the NHL entry draft, the Capitals should be able to identify a promising player despite picking in the second half. 
Um, I know that the top draft picks will most likely go to the Canadians or one of the teams that did poorly uh, in this coming season. But one of the things that you said about Coolidge in here was that he's a sharpshooter, sharpshooter who likes to utilize his accurate one-timer on the power play. He also has soft hands and a commemorable or commendable, excuse me, work ethic that allows him to win puck battles along the boards. So I think that that would be a promise. The Capitals are looking to get younger in the forward position. Um, you know, this is an aging roster, this Washington Capitals team. So I think, you know, to your point, they knew they do need to pick up a, a promising young forward. Um, and then one of the next players you mention is Leon Bichel. Excuse me if I'm saying any of these names incorrectly. Uh, left-handed defenseman. Why don't you tell me a little bit about him? For sure. This is a guy... I like a little bit more than Kulich as well, to be honest. And the reason that I think he and the other defensemen on this list stands out to me is the fact that the last two years where the Capitals have picked in the first round, of course, they didn't pick in round one in 2021, is the last two times they have picked, they pick four. And so I think, logically speaking, the defenseman might make a lot of sense. This Bichel, he's, he's from Switzerland, playing in, in the Swedish Hockey League this year. What I like about him is he's huge. He's either six foot five or six foot four, depending on kind of who you trust in terms of his height. He's been playing in, in professional hockey in Sweden this year. He's looked really good in the Champions Hockey League, which is, again, something I look for when we're talking about these European prospects playing on teams that are in that competition. Someone who does really, really stand out to me as well. It, what you'd kind of expect from a guy his size, skating isn't perfect. That's something that you could work on once you make the jump to North America as well. But yeah, he's someone who stands out to me. Again, we're talking about guys going somewhere between 18 and, and, and the mid-30s. And he's someone who's been trending upwards this year as well. So I think he's definitely one to, to take a look at. Yeah, and just uh, looking at your article here, like you had mentioned there, six foot five or whatever he ends up being. So a huge defenseman. I think that the Washington Capitals could definitely use uh, someone like that on their team. Uh, you said also of note, Bichelle has taken life as a professional in stride. He looked comfortable playing in the Swedish Hockey League this season, registering three points and 29 appearances. So, I mean, I think that uh, he would be another great uh, option for the Washington Capitals. The next one on your list is Luca Del Bell Blues. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Why don't you tell me, uh, first of all, how am I saying his name incorrectly? And tell me a little bit more about him. A correct pronunciation on that one, yeah. Uh, Blues, I, I really like this guy because he's come on so far this season. So his first season in the OHL wasn't that impressive in terms of the points that he put up. In fact, it was... It was barely any points that he put up in year one. He played pre-pandemic, obviously had the year off of the pandemic and then came back this year. He scored once in 58 in his first year. This time around, he had 76 points in 68 appearances, which is obviously a huge jump and something that kind of really does leap off the page when you're talking about a player like this. He plays center. He's looking to be drafted somewhere in, again, kind of between 15 and 30, but he is moving upwards in the draft kind of rankings where he's in the lower end of that kind of spectrum, I guess. As I say, offensive production, really, really good this year. He's got a knife for goal. He's a decent playmaker. Concerns, speed, something that he can work on, though, and obviously growing into his frame. I believe he's only sixth. But I'll have to double-check that. But, yeah, it's another guy. When we're talking about prospects, I think the really, really interesting thing and the thing that teams want to look out for, especially a team like the Capital Tools, who are going to have to rebuild at some point, whether that's now or in the future, kind of, a, I guess we'll talk about in a bit. But if you can have a great 
pre-draft year, I think that does kind of carry a fair amount this way, and and he's someone who definitely fits the bill in terms of in terms of that. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know uh, there's going to be some teams that really can benefit uh, in this draft, of course. Uh, the Canadians, uh, among some other teams that uh, didn't play as well this year. But uh, just uh, dealing, talking about him here, you said while the 18-year-old still has some work to do on his skating and needs to bulk up before making the jump to the NHL, he can contribute as a playmaker and shooter. He's also a responsible defensive player. So another player that seems like a really uh, solid option for the Washington Capitals. So next on the list is Owen Pickering, a left-handed defenseman. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about him? For sure. So Pickering, again, left-handed defenseman, looking to be picked somewhere between 20 and 15. So this is someone who may or may not be on the board by the time that um, general manager Brian McKellen gets gets the opportunity to go to the podium. But he's someone I really like. So he's playing in the WHL. And again, defenseman in the WHL, being a Capitals first-round pick, that wouldn't exactly be a new phenomenon. I like him because he's, he's hockey IQ. He's, hockey IQ is great. He can skate. His shooting's nice as well. What I'd say, he's defensively a little bit raw, but he moves the puck really well. And I think if you're a defenseman coming out of one of the junior leagues in Canada, you can work on that defensive side more than you can on the offensive side. I think you can build his defensive game up quicker than you would be able to make him more of a playmaker. So, yeah, this is someone who, if he's still on the board, and if the Capitals do want to add a defenseman, then great. The other thing to note as well, unlike Michelle who is more of a defensive defenseman and is huge. Pickering is slightly more offensive and he's also still six foot five. So if we're looking for size, then then I'd say he's, he's someone to definitely bear in mind. Yeah, because that's one of the things that I heard about, you know, when I break down what went wrong with the capital season is I would say, it was the net minding. That's what went wrong. But then people will say, no, it wasn't that, Dan. It was the defense. So it's good to see that you have some picks uh, as defensemen because even the defensive core for the Washington Capitals is a bit of an aging core. I know that they have Martin Faravari in there. But if you look at John Carlson, uh, who seemed kind of a downward trend this season and didn't play, I would say, quite as, as good as we expected in the playoffs. Um, so just taking a look at one of the next players here is uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, uh, right wing. Uh, what, tell us a little bit more about him. For sure. So this is someone who may or may not be available by the time that he comes around on the board. He's got an elite shot, solid skating, really, really good defensive awareness, and he's got that size as well. Gaps in his game, I'd say playmaking. He tends to be a shoot-first kind of guy, but again, it's something that he can work on with age and development, all of this kind of stuff. He's committed to play NCAA going forwards, and I think that's a nice landing spot increasingly at the minute. I mean, the NCAA Frozen Four has been great the last couple of years. It's going places. I think it's a good place for this kind of players like this to develop. And again, if he's on the board, if the Capitals want a right winger, then he's certainly an option that they could pursue. So, I mean, those are some great picks. So the Washington Capitals have a tendency of always drafting a netminder if you look over the season, even though sometimes you don't see where they're going to fit into the system. Is there a netminder out there that you think that the Washington Capitals will pursue? I know they're kind of stacked in in the goalie department as far as in Hershey uh, and uh, for the Stingrays there, but is there any netminder that you think that the Capitals might try to go after? I'd be surprised if they went for a netminder early to be honest, would be my take on this, because obviously they had the guy out of college who they signed recently as well. And I just think, as you say, that they're stacked in goal. Obviously, we'll talk about the situation with the two RFAs this year. 
but I'd be surprised if they spent one of those earlier picks on a netminder. I won't pretend to be an expert on the draft going into rounds four, five, six, and seven, possibly at that kind of stage. I think teams tend to throw in a pick for a goalie lower down. But yeah, rounds one, two, three, I'm not so sure they'll, they'll opt for a goaltender this time out. All right, so after the break here, we are going to continue talking about the Capitals. We are going to talk about what players they should pick up and uh, what changes need to be made uh, before the start of next season. We'll talk about that after the break. We've been asking and built, delivered. Built granola bars are here. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mixed box at built.com right now. These are so different from the bars and the puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like the bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate with 150 calories, 15 grams of protein and only four grams of sugar built granola bars will change your world built has cracked the code to better granola they're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch take on the road or eat as a snack and they are made with a collagen based protein which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of healthy benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars, three delicious flavors to try, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. You got to get yours today. Go to Built.com to get Built Granola Bars now. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so welcome back to the show. We are joined by Luke James of the Hockey Writer. So some of the big questions that are out there is what uh, players do the you know Capitals need to pick up? What uh, positions do the Capitals need to to rectify? I would say that it is the net minding situation. Uh, if we take a look at the net minding situation, it was a problem the entire season. Brian McClellan knew it and did nothing to address it. So now it's staring us straight in the face. We have two RFAs in the form of Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek. Who do you think the Capitals go with? Because at this point, I think we're talking about a number two netminder. I, you know, so it's either going to be Vanacek or Samsonov is the number two. That's my take on it. Uh, they're going to probably go for that veteran who is going to be the number one. Who do you see the Capitals targeting in this offseason in net? It's really tricky. I think the Capitals and the netminder discussion. I'll start off with the RFAs and, and move on to the free agents or trade or whoever they might go for. I personally, my take would be go for Vanashek over Samsonov simply because the perception is the ceiling is lower, but he's slightly more consistent, slightly more trustworthy and probably slightly cheaper if we we're being completely honest. And if he's playing that role as a second netminder, he'd be the guy that I go for. I don't completely trust Samsonov, but I think someone else will take a flyer on him and he'll have a successful career in the NHL. I'm just not convinced that it will be in Washington. In terms of the starting goal, that's a whole different kettle of fish. I would say they've got to be wary in free agency because the tendency is you overpay. And Jack Campbell, someone that is, is being talked, a lot, talked about a lot in for various different teams, I can't see him making $5 million on the cap, but that's not the kind of money that, that the Capitals are going to want to allocate to someone who doesn't have that kind of tr proven track record anyway. I think the ambitious bet would go for Billy Husso, if possible. Mm. I think he'd be the guy that I'd be interested in simply because 
again, he doesn't have bags of experience. And again, that is a problem considering the situation that, that the Capitals have been through this season in particular. But he showed this year, he did demonstrate this year that he's got the potential to be that number one number one guy, that starter. I, I like the sign of the huso Vanasek combination, to be honest. Who, who, in terms of net mining options, do you think kind of stands out that aren't already at the club? Well, I mean, I think that that is an excellent choice. That is a, a name that I haven't heard thrown around yet. But now that you mention it, I'm like, that is a great option there. Um, so I'm just taking a look at what they have in Hershey. I've kind of banged the drum for Zach Fukali all season. I thought that he should have got uh, his opportunity, especially when, as we headed towards the playoffs, you heard Peter Laviolette saying, when it's game one of the playoffs, I want to know who my number one netminder is. Well, surprise, surprise, we went to game one, and it was a coin flip every night, Vanacek or Samsonov. As it turned out, Vanacek got the start and got yanked early. Um, and I think that ultimately Samsonov kept him in the game. But Going forward, I think, or, you know, rewinding time, I think that the Capitals should have given uh, Zach Fukali uh, his opportunity um, to, to try to earn his spot on the team. Because, you know, like I talked about, all season we knew that Vanacek and Samsonov was not working. Um, you know, my detractors would say, well, you know, they also got 100 points with that tandem. So, touche, good point. Um, but I still think that it was inconsistency throughout the entire season. Um, so I think that, you know, personally, I think that they should, you know, uh, the training camp is going to be the big thing. I think you have Hunter Shepard, who is a, a great option. I think you have Zach Fukali, who is another a great option. And uh, as you go down the, the depth there, you have Phoenix Copley, which we already kind of know what we have in him. But I think that it's, the, you know, like I say, I think training camp is going to be real interesting to see who they narrow it down to. I do think that they are going to pull the trigger on Sam Sonoff or Vanacek. Uh, I know that your thoughts are they should go with Vanacek um, because ultimately I don't think they're going to be able to pay them. And I think that they don't want to go into next season with a Sam Sonoff-Vanacek tandem. I think that everyone should feel free to bang their head against the wall if they do that because... We've seen this movie before, and we know where that would go, another first-round exit. But to your question there, who do I think they should pick? I mean, there are some very uh, intriguing names out there. Some of the biggest ones I've heard is Marc-Andre Fleury, which I know is a Hail Mary pass that I don't think will ever connect with a wide receiver. But, uh, you know, that's the big one that I hear out there. And uh, just based on his history uh, with the Penguins and with the, the Vegas Golden Knights, I just think he has no interest in being a capital and then the other one that I hear thrown out there quite often is Braden Holtby uh, for the true nostalgia 2018 fan base. Uh, I think that they, you know, think rekindling uh, a, a, a relationship with Braden Holtby will realign the stars and they'll win another Stanley Cup. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Uh, if we all remember back, they also had the goalie whisperer in the form of Mitch Korn back then, which I really think kind of reformed. Uh, his whole career. So, I mean, I think that that Huso, that's an interesting name. And I think that, you know, that would be a really uh, great option uh, for the Capitals to pick up. This was in another article on the Hockey Writers uh, before I did this interview. I was kind of um, pouring over your website there or the Hockey Writers to see some different options out there. And one of the other writers uh, was saying that the Washington Capitals should consider Andre Plot if the Tampa Bay Lightning don't resign him and Andrew Kopp. So there are all sorts of big names out there. What are some of the big forwards that, the, that you think the Capitals should target? I am of the belief that the Capitals will probably make a big move, um, and it's probably going to upset some of the fan base. But, I mean, if you are going to get a big player, you're going to have to give up a big player. So the odds of getting rid of like a TJ Oshie or a John Carlson, I don't think is totally out of question. What are your thoughts on that? 
Um, I'd, I, I don't think John Carlson someone who would be moved on, to be honest. I think he's had a great season completely. In, in terms of the guy, uh, Blue Liners across the league who have produced massive points, he's slipped under the radar because he's not quite that level. But in terms of how good he was this year alongside Harvey, I think was great. So I think he's, he's safe. I, I'd, I'd buy a Carlson jersey if, <laughs> and say that's a relatively safe bet. Um, it all really depends on Packstrom, doesn't it? In terms of his health, in terms of his hip, is he going to come back? I expect he will do. But in what capacity, in, in, in that case, what else can they afford to give up to bring someone else in? I like the cop suggestion. He's been great for New York this, this playoffs. He's been great for the Rangers this playoffs. And I think he has that bite that would do the Capitals really, really good. Internally as well, I'm really intrigued to see what they do with McMichael. Because here's someone we spoke about a lot during the regular season about should he be playing higher in the lineup? Should he be playing centre? Should he be playing on the wing? Are the Capitals right to kind of limit the minutes that he was having and kind of shelter him a little bit? I think next year, him being the first round pick in 2019, he has to take more of a step. And the Capitals have to give him that responsibility and give him that opportunity to take that next step. So they need to be mindful and they need to also, I think, think very carefully about what the ambition is. Because my sense through most of the regular season, after, of course, Washington had the really, really hot start, then at Christmas time after the COVID shutdown, it completely fell away. And then the final month of the season, it looked really good again. Yeah, it was it was an interesting season uh, for sure. Uh, if you take a look at it, the month of March where they went a good chunk of the season without a regulation loss, and they made those statement wins when they won against the Penguins and the Bruins and the Lightning, and everyone was drinking the Kool Aid and saying this Capitals team is headed for the playoffs and a Stanley Cup again. And I got to be honest with you, I was on that train, I was driving that train. But then all of a sudden, the wheels kind of fell off. Um, and if we can kind of t- take a look back on what led to the Capitals' uh, success in the month of March was that all-team meeting by T.J. Oshie. And I don't know what kind of things were talked about in that meeting because they rarely spoke of. But I think that the Capitals probably could have used another one of those uh, come-to-Jesus moments uh, as we head to the playoffs. I think that Alex Ovechkin and T.J. Oshie should have led the charge there because, you know, this first-round exit has left a sour taste in everyone's mouth once again as the Capitals have not made it past the second round uh, since the 2018 Stanley Cup. So after the break here, we are going to continue to talk with Luke James about the future of the Washington Capitals. How concerned should we be about Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson? We'll talk about that next. All right, welcome back. In this episode, we are joined by Luke James of the Hockey Writers. And uh, let's talk a little bit about Nicholas Backstrom, as we know that he sustained uh, that hip injury. And, you know, the kind of the scary thing to me is he did not rule out retirement. Generally, in these cases, they try to put on a strong face and they'll say, no, I'm going to I'm going to rest. I'm going to recover and I'm going to come back. But if you take a look at this as Nick Backstrom, the person, not the hockey player, uh, he's on the wrong side of 30. And, you know, it is a long recovery process. And you got to think part of him is thinking, I'm going to go to all this extent to get better again, only to maybe risk the possibility of injury. Do you think we will see Nicholas Backstrom on this team again? Yes, I think next year, definitely. Yes, I I think the situation that that we're in with Backstrom, the team is in with Backstrom, is they'll give it another year, they'll see if it gets better, they'll see if there's kind of some kind of sustained improvement. Of course, this is a essentially a chronic hip injury regardless, but it needs to be more manageable on a human level and in terms of how often he can actually get on the ice because there are two sides to this, aren't there? You've got the, as you say, Nicholas Baxter from the human, is he comfortable day-to-day life with this injury? 
how he's playing hockey obviously affecting that. And then you've also got the fact that he's on a huge contract. He's taken up a lot of cap space. And is that a good allocation of resources from the team's perspective if he can only play half the games? Of course, it, it, if we take the emotion out of this, if we take out all the things that he's done for the organisation away from the conversation, it's not ideal to have that kind of cap space on whether it's injury reserve or just kind of not on the ice. And again, if we go back to what was said at, at media availability at the end of the season, he said, obviously, we'll see what's going to happen. We have some decisions to make. Those decisions aren't finalised yet, so we'll take it day by day. Hockey players are often very stoic. They're often, yeah, we're going to get through this. It's going to be fine. Nothing to worry about. I'll be back next year. It'll be great. He wasn't particularly stoic. He wasn't given the impression that everything's going to be hunky-dory and we're going to carry on and next year is going to be back to his best. I think it's fair to be concerned. And again, I think the only person who was particularly upbeat on that final day on the media availability was Ovechkin, who basically said, yeah, he's going to be fine next year. He's going to be back. He's going to be scoring all these goals and be putting up all these numbers. So, yeah, I'd say it's fair to be worried about Backstrom. It's fair to think, okay, if he isn't in the lineup, what does this team look like and what are their ambitions in terms of qualifying for the playoffs, getting back into the second round and beyond? But, yeah, I think this is a kind of last dance scenario. Is he going to be better next year or is next year maybe the end of the road if he isn't making the progress with his hip that that the team and obviously himself would, would like to be seeing? Yeah, and that's kind of a daunting thought, isn't it? Uh, a Washington Capitals team without Nick Backstrom. Uh, if you think about it, uh, I don't think that Alex Ovechkin would be the player he is today without Nick Backstrom uh, serving up those passes from the left dot and uh, Ovechkin slamming him home. I know that they oftentimes don't play together anymore because you have Kuzi on the top line, but it seems like when they really want scoring, they, they uh, put Backstrom and Ovechkin back together. And I think that ultimately uh, Alex Ovechkin would be devastated if he uh, did not have a uh, Nicholas Backstrom, not just as a player, but I think they have uh, such a long history together. So, um, and just talking about unfortunate accidents as Carl Hagelin as well. Um, you know, just that's another from a personal point of view, not talking about the hockey player. He suffered that fluke accident in practice where he took a stick up high and he's had multiple surgeries all, you know, already. And he said that his vision might never come back to a 100%. Just a truly tragic story there. So, I mean, as a Capitals fan, you sometimes you got to remove yourself from the situation of the Capitals player and look at the person because at the end of the day, that's who they are after hockey is over. So the next person I want to talk about is Tom Wilson, who suffered that knee injury in game one of the playoffs where he went to, to check Uyghur into the boards there and Uyghur kind of turned away from it. And then he kind of twisted awkwardly at the moment. When I looked at that, it did not look like it was that serious of an injury. You know, I thought, you know, he'd miss a shift or something and he'd come back out. And then he did during the intermission. He made a couple laps, but alas, it was not meant to be. How worried are you uh, about Tom Wilson? I know that he brings that big physical presence. I know he's seen around the league as this goon, this tough guy, but most goons don't score 20-plus goals. Ryan Reeves, I'm talking to you. So tell me a little bit about Tom Wilson. Um, it's been said right now that he's not going to come back until December. Uh, that kind of leaves the Capitals in a tough spot. What are your thoughts on Tom Wilson as he uh, progresses from this uh, surgery? For sure. Tom Wilson's a guy whose reputation in terms of the, the goonery and the fuggery precedes him massively. That isn't, of course, he's got that in his game. He's got that in his lockup of that, as you say, goons don't put up that number of points, don't score that many goals, aren't in the conversation to be in Team Canada at the Olympics. Um, he's more of a short-term concern, isn't he, is what I'd say. We talk about Baxter and we talk about that being a big picture issue. I think we look at Tom Wilson and we say, OK, if it is December when he returns to the ice, 
when is he going to be up to full speed? Because it, it won't be in December, surely. You, you wouldn't think after coming off a six-month knee injury. So is it going to be the end of January? Is it going to be the end of February? When is he going to be up to full, full speed? And they ask the question because he's such an important player at basically all elements of the game in terms of where he slots into the lineup for the Capitals and what he brings in terms of the intangibles as well. So I think Wilson's absence is slightly more concerning in the immediate future than Backstrom's because you've got this guy who you say, okay, take him out of the lineup and how does it look? And again, we can talk about the McMichaels of this world, but Wilson is so, so important to this team. So, so important. And if he isn't firing at full cylinders by January and the team isn't where it wants to be in the standings, that could make for a really, really interesting kind of trade deadline next year, which I imagine is a pretty scary thought for people kind of surrounding the team. Yeah, I mean, I would say that Tom Wilson is a bit of a four-leaf clover out there. You know, he gets... uh... There's a lot of smack talked about him around the NHL, but there's not one of the other teams in the NHL that would not love to have him uh, on their team. As you see the New York Rangers who picked up Ryan Reeves essentially, and they, they didn't really uh, deny it to, to take on the likes of a Tom Wilson, but uh, they don't never really mixed it up too much in this season. So then the question begs to be is who fills in for Tom Wilson as far as frame size? I saw that uh, Anthony Mantha really kind of upped his physical game. Someone that I wouldn't say is intrinsically a tough guy, but uh, I think that, you know, the coaching told him, you have a big frame and a big body, put it to use. Uh, he's usually more revered as a better goal scorer. Do you think that Anthony Mantha, um, I was talking with uh, Michael of Stars and Sticks, and he brought up that he thought that uh, Anthony Mantha would be a good fit there. Do you think that Mantha is a good uh, replacement or a good temporary fix uh, for Tom Wilson? Yeah, completely agree. I think he's the obvious pick in terms, as you say in terms of style in terms of frame in terms of what he can offer obviously he'll adapt have to adapt to play the tom wilson role and i don't think anyone on this roster can play the tom wilson role they'll have to play it in a different way they'll have to contribute in different ways but if laviolette wants someone like that on that line playing those minutes then yeah i think mantha is the choice that you have to make and if you were to make bigger changes than that, if you're bringing someone in through free agency, if you're going to promote someone up the lineup, then comes the question of, okay, how is this team going to look next year? Because we could be in a situation, and again, this it's impossible to kind of overstate the importance of this summer to the Capitals. Like, big changes could come if they want to make the big changes. And again, Backstrom is the elephant in the corner in that regard. So yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Mantha is a, is a really, really good shout in terms of temporarily stepping into... Tom Wilson's shoes. But I think that this is also going to present uh, a lot of great opportunity uh, for the Washington Capitals, their younger core, uh, Connor McMichael. We saw Hendricks LaPierre make the big team, Leeson and Protus, and uh, all these different players that were finally due their opportunity. And a lot of those players did get their opportunity earlier in the season. And I was speaking with J.J. Regan from NBC Sports Washington, but one of his thoughts on it was that it worked briefly, but it wasn't sustainable. Uh, they got some great goal scoring, and then their numbers would just totally drop off what kind of season do you see Connor McMichael, Hendricks LaPierre? Uh, we saw that Martin Faravari had a great season. Uh, I'm most impressed with Martin Faravari. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of the younger core of the Capitals? And are there some players I missed there? There's Scarbo. So there's, there's a lot of different players, I think, that are kind of on the cusp uh, of making a big break. Uh, tell me about some of the younger players in the Capitals and what your thoughts are. For sure. Um, I like... McMichael a lot. I think he's really, really talented. I think he'll go far. And I think he's someone who will make an impact 
when given the opportunity. With him, I think it's a case of letting him get his feet underneath him and then pushing on from there. If he's given time in whatever role it might be in the lineup, presumably higher in the lineup, he'll eventually make an impact. It's just about can they afford to have that kind of patience with a player still pretty early in his NHL career. If we go back to the start of last season, Hendricks Lapierre was such a breath of fresh air. And you you spoke about kind of last year being at the start of last season being unsustainable. And it completely was, because if you looked at that lineup, to the untrained eye, you'd kind of look at the lineup and go, okay, so who are half of these guys making up the roster this early in the season? Why is there such an injury crisis? And they really did capture light in the bottle. But I thought Lapierre was was fantastic in his what was essentially a trial run, obviously coming up from junior. He did really, really well. Um, on the back end, I think it's quite interesting as well. So I look at someone like Alex Alexiev, who was the first round pick for the Caps in 2018, obviously a, a blue liner. Can he make the step up again? You've got Johansson as well, looking to looking to make a similar jump from Hershey. They're the two that really interest me because obviously there's going to be changes defensively this time out. There's expiring contracts on, on the blue line. So those are the two guys that I think are particularly interesting in terms of being slightly unknown quantities. They've both made appearances in the NHL, but not for a sustained period. Uh, finally, I really like Protas. I think he's someone who should kind of have more opportunities going forward. And again, he's someone who I think proved this year that he can play at a level above what people expected of him at this point. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a breakout season for a lot of those guys. We always hear about this team needs to get younger. I think that the Capitals need to make good on that. Um, I don't know if you're a Nationals fan, a D.C. area, but that's an example of a rebuild that went poorly. Um, I hope that the Capitals aren't facing something like that, or if they do it, uh, a rebuild, they do it more wisely than that. So uh, kind of switching gears here a little bit, I'm going to talk about the future um, with the Capitals as far as their GM and their head coach. How secure should Peter Laviolette feel in his job? And I think the guy that's really on the hot seat is Brian McClellan. Like I talked about earlier, that uh, he did nothing to rectify the situation in that. How do you feel? How, you know, Brian McClellan, do you, do you think his job is safe with the Washington Capitals? I think for now it is. And I think a little bit it will depend on how well he drafts. And of course, you won't know that immediately, but in, in the not so distant future, you will. You talk about the net mining situation last year. They did try to do something. They did go out all out, apparently, for Marc-Andre Fleury, and he just didn't want to come, presumably because he still wants to keep that Pittsburgh Penguins connection, and that's maybe something that will look to rekindle this summer. And the other options out there weren't particularly alluring in goal. Like, we wrote lots about this for the hockey writers, and it was like, okay, after Fleury, who is the massive upgrade on what they already had? And I think it was clear to say, and it was easy to identify, it was clear, really, really for staring everyone in the face that the current tandem wasn't working. But the actual solution to the problem, I think, was a little bit harder to find. That isn't to say, though, that he shouldn't have elected to do what he did in terms of the fact that he is the general manager of the Washington Capitals and it's his job to find those solutions as opposed to us. And we can just talk about it and say, oh, that's a tricky decision. So, yeah, I agree. I think the net mining decision is, is one that is a bit of a dark spot for him. It all depends how they start next season. I think if they get off to a really rocky time of things and they're looking like a bubble team and they haven't made any progress, and again, you'll have that unknown factor of Tom Wilson not being in the lineup, then I think both could be in trouble. But unless it's catastrophic, then I think McKellen's probably okay, and I think Laviolette's the one who's under slightly more pressure to deliver 
because at the end of the day, he's got Ovechkin in the team. There needs to be goal scored. They need to be making progress towards the playoffs. And yeah, ultimately, if one of them is going to go, it's the head coach that will go first. Yeah, and I hate to see the coach being the fall guy. Uh, I think that Peter Laviolette did the best with what he had. I mean, I don't fault him. There was never a spot in the season where I thought to myself, he made just a horrible mistake here. Um, so I don't really fault him on on that at all. And if you take a look at the coaching carousel that's out there, I don't, I'm not, I don't like that at all. If you look at Barry Trotz uh, getting cut loose from the New York Islanders in favor of Lane Lambert. What a monumental blunder that's going to end up being. And I'm just going to say that I called that right now. If you take a look at the Washington Capitals when they moved on from Barry Trotz in favor of Todd Reardon, how well did that work? Horribly. Uh, And if we go back a little bit uh, further, Adam Oates. Uh, So the Capitals have had some questionable decisions. I think that, you know, hindsight 2020, they should have stuck with Barry Trotz, but that's a lot of revisionist uh, thinking there going on. So uh, at the end of the show here, Luke, why don't you give us a plug uh, for where we can find all of your work and uh, and everything like that? For sure. So if you're watching the video, you'll be able to see my app on the screen. You can follow me at Luke James underscore 32 on Twitter. You'll find lots of tweets about the Capitals, ice hockey in the UK, soccer in the UK and across Europe. So yeah, if you're interested in those things, then please do give me a follow. Um, again, if you're a Premier League fan, I write a substack called West Ham Plus 19. I support West Ham, hence hence it's mainly about West Ham. So yeah, if that's interesting to you as well, please do give me a follow. I'd really, really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for joining us on this show. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen. Now make your se- second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from our local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So once again, Luke, thank you for joining us on this edition of Locked on Capitals.